0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Um, I grew up um, skiing. My, my dad was a fanatic skier. So from a, probably from two or three years of age, um, my brother and I uh, were skiing. and uh, Every year we'd go. Back then, we, lived, we grew up in Melbourne for the first 10 years of my life. So we'd go to Falls Creek every year. And then we'd go um, to, uh, to Perisher or Threadbow. Uh, and it was a lot of fun learning how to ski and growing up skiing, and so when, we, when Carol and I had our three daughters, uh, we wanted to introduce them to the snow, so we'd go down you know, to the station resort because it was cheap, and we'd drive up each day. It wasn't quite as glamorous as the holidays I used to have as a, as a kid, uh, but we'd still get to the snow and still have a lot of fun um, teaching the girls how to ski. And a few years ago, we had an incredible opportunity and experience. We... Uh, We headed over to Europe on one of my long service leaves and we had some time in Italy with uh, some of my family Um, and then we also went up to Austria where we have some friends and we booked in for two weeks at a resort near Kitzbühel and we had two weeks of skiing in snow that was like dry um, and powdery and it was an incredible experience. While we were there, we all took lessons because it's always good to sharpen your skills of skiing. So the girls, in fact, Lucy was only learning how to ski then. So she was in the beginner's lessons and the older girls were, were starting to you know, improve. So they were in the next level up. And then Carol and I were having lessons as well in separate classes. Uh, but it was fun because we'd go out in the morning and we'd, we'd do these lessons and, and sharpen our skills. And then after lunch, uh, we'd ski together as a family. Well, one day we woke up and we looked outside and there were lots of snow falling. And the girls asked, well, Dad, are we going to go out today? I said, mate, this is why we're here, to be in the snow. Um, And it's like, mostly it's like minus 10 to minus 30 outside. So I think that day maybe was minus 15, wasn't too bad. Uh, Minus 30 gets... It gets. Um, I knew it was. Minus, I knew it was tipping to minus thirty when I had my backpack and I had the little, you know, little, little camel back camelback with a tube with the water. If I'd get, if I'd have a sip and I'd at the top of the mountain and I'd get to the bottom and it was frozen, uh, I knew, I knew it was dipping down towards minus thirty. Um, minus fifteen, it was okay. And so I said, yeah, let's go." And so we jumped out of the house and we we went up to the to the place where we lock in for our lessons and and the girls went into their lesson. Carol went into her lesson. And I had, I had Gerhard, who I've been having that, that week, and, and I was the only one who turned up. And Gerhard said, well, it just looks like it's just you and me. And I thought, cool, private lesson for a group lesson price. Um, <laughs> I'm up for that. So he said, well, look, because it's just you and me, um, we'll be able to manage some speed. How about we get across to the other mountain that we don't normally have time for in one of these lessons? And I was like, great, let's go. So we skied to the edge of the resort, and at the edge of the resort... There's this massive valley that goes to this other mountain. And there's this cable car, this big gondola that might stand like 20, 25 people. And it would go across this this amazing valley, maybe a kilometre wide. You'd just be hanging in this valley to go across to the other other mountain. And so Gerhard and I turned up and we jumped in and we're thinking, I wonder why no one else is going on this today. Um, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people on the mountain. And so we get across to the other side and it was fantastic. The runs over there were incredible. I mean, you don't have to wait much anyway um, in in lines, but we were skiing a little hard out and having a ball. And then we went up to um, the little huts for lunch over in Austria. They have all these little mum and dad huts, if you've ever been there. And you go in and like mum's cooking, you know, her famous soup and you have all this amazing Austrian food and they have a fire going. And I remember putting my gloves next to the fire and one of them getting a bit, a bit, a bit burnt, I had a hole in my glove because I put it too close. Um, and funny things you remember, hey. Uh, we had a fantastic lunch and warmed up and then Gerhard said, okay, let's, let's hit the afternoon and get, we'll get back, to, um, get back to the resort. And so we, as when we got out of the, out of the, out of the hut, we realised the weather had changed. I mean, it was still snowing, but now the wind had come up really strongly um, and also there was much more fog around. We could still sort of see, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 metres, uh, but not, you know, enough to see the next pole that you're sort of following. But the weather had started to turn it was, and it started to get very windy. And so we skied back to where the gondola was to be able to go, you know, back to uh, the, the other mountain where we started and we get to the gondola and there's this big sign that says, closed, too windy. And Gerhard just, just looks at me. I'm going, you know, and then we talked to the operator there and he said, oh, um, all the chairlifts are also closed on this side of the mountain because it's just too windy. And so Gerhard comes back and, he, and I said, do you know how to, you know, to, to get back? And as I was asked the question, I was probably this far away and all of a sudden I, I couldn't see him. The fog just came in so thick, um, and so I get real close. We're yelling at each other, and and he says, "Look, I, I think I know the way down to a road where we can hitchhike back to the to the to the resort." And he just said, "Follow me," and I'm like, "Yep." I'm going to follow you, <laughs> because when it's minus 15, minus 20, you're on a mountain that you don't know, uh, all the lifts are closed, you could end up in some ravine that you just wouldn't know the way out of, and, and that'd be it, right? And so I remember Gerhard turned around, and I remember looking at the back of his skis, and I could just see I could just see the back of his skis, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm going to keep my eyes on those skis, and and we just skied down this mountain, and I'd... I'd didn't let go of that, the sight of those skis until we got right down to the bottom, down to the road and then, sure enough, we hitched a ride in and, um, and it all worked out okay. But it reminded me of those words, you know, when he just said, follow me. When someone says, follow me, we need to make sure that they know the way. And... In this day and age, I don't think there's, there's more opportunities to be able to be led by people who are saying, follow me. Authors, activists, politicians, scientists, academics, they're, they're all saying, follow me. Here's, here's the way. This is what life is all about. Have, have you noticed how many YouTube ads there are these days for like, these life experts, life coaches—you know—you come to the end of a show on YouTube, and all of a sudden, this ad comes up and says, "Hey, if you if you just subscribe to me and my and my and my YouTube channel, then you're going to get all 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 the secrets to be able to live this incredible life that I'm living." So like there's a new one every week. When someone says, "Follow me," we need to make sure they know the way. Why would we follow Jesus? I honestly mean that. I think we need to be able to answer that question. Otherwise, your discipleship to Jesus will just be very wavy. Why, if you are here, and that's a presumption that you are a follower of Jesus, you may be here and you're exploring Jesus, whether you might follow him. Well, why would you want to follow him? Jesus says these words when he's asked by Thomas about the way to the Father. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when I read this recently, it just just really struck me. It's a verse that us Christians come across a fair bit. We, We may have heard this numerous times. And when... When Thomas asks, you know, how do we get to the Father? He could have easily answered the question with the second sentence. No one comes to the Father except through me. That would have answered the question. But instead, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I just wonder why Jesus chose those three words. I wonder whether we may have overlooked something deeper that Jesus was trying to communicate about, about the why of following Jesus. Yes, he answers the question that, that it's through Jesus that we come to the Father. It's through Jesus that we gain eternal life. But But I would like to explore with you over these next three weeks why Jesus chose these three words, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that these three words might unlock for us some of the answers that that most people or many people in our world today are asking. And, and that's why there's such a proliferation of YouTube channels of, of, these, of these experts trying to answer these questions. People are looking for the way. How, how, how can I live in a way that actually allows me freedom and opportunity and, and, and the experience of, of, of all that is good in the world and life? What is true? People are asking that question. With the proliferation of fake news, there's now a real question of what what can I trust? What is truth? People are wondering about how do we live life to the full? And there's there's a whole area of marketing that tries to answer that question. If you have these luxury goods, then you will live life to the full. There's a whole economy based around trying to answer that question. And yet 2,000 years ago, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And I think in these three words, Jesus lays down a theological foundation of why we would follow Jesus. And if we go deeper into these foundations, I believe it will give us... um, a strength of resolve in the way that we follow Jesus. So let's explore what these truths might unlock for us. And today, I'd like to un- unlock the way of Jesus. And we know that Jesus is the way to the Father. And you know, within context in this passage, we understand that this is the answer that he is giving to the question that was put to him about how do we get to the Father. And... It sounds exclusive. If we go to the next slide, if it sounds a little exclusive. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I get that. He is being exclusive. But then there's no one else that I've come across who has said that and then backed it up with his own life, death, and resurrection. So why would I follow Jesus? Why would I accept that what he's saying here is true? It's a good question. Well, for me, it's, it's because not only did the early um, Christian authors, like the Gospel writers, you know, historically write about the event, but we've also got people like Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, not a Christian historian, who wrote prolifically in the first century about this Jesus who who died, and who whose disciples um, you know abandoned him, and then he rose again. So historically, there's no other answer except that Christ resurrected from the dead. That's how I see it, and so so I accept that that's a very um, It's a very exclusive statement. But I also believe that that is true, that Jesus died and rose again for us. In fact, in Romans and in 1 John, we read these verses. uh, For the wages of sin is death. but The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. So Jesus is the way to eternal life. I accept that. I believe that. Um, I find that to be true in the hope that I have. But again, I think Jesus was trying to say more than that in in answering this question. When he says, I am the way. So who we follow shapes our way of doing life. That's a simple truth. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible, um, he wrote a book called The Jesus Way, a, a wonderful book if you want to dig a little deeper into uh, exploring uh, what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way. And he writes, The person that we follow is the primary shaping influence on the person that we become. So, who are you following? I can guarantee that your life has been shaped by other human beings. There are other people who have shaped your thinking, your your worldview, your your understanding about what's important. Who's shaped your thinking? In this day and age, it's incredible how many young influences there are in the world you know, through YouTube and the proliferation of YouTube channels, right? Have you come across these? Any, any of you have teenage kids um, who, is that not working? Yeah, just let it go. Um, teenage kids who look at YouTube channels um, and there's all these young guys and girls who are, who are um, trying to teach the next generation about life. So there's these 16-year-old girls who have got these YouTube channels with hundreds and thousands of preteens that tune in every week because they have all the answers, you know, about life. Like it's this is truly incredible. Like it's 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 a, just consider who's influencing the life of your kids. Because This is going wildfire. So who's influencing us? The person that we follow is the primary shaping influence of our life. See, Paul understood the power of being influenced by others. Is that right? And he writes, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. In the same letter, he says, Follow my example as I followed the example of Christ. You see, Paul knew the power of being influenced by others. And he knew that as human beings, we, we need human examples. You know, we'll get to following Jesus. But the reality is that we also need human examples to follow. And so he's saying, hey, um, instead of looking to these other people for examples, just look to my life. Now, like it sounds arrogant, doesn't it? But I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot safer than looking to, to, to those who don't follow Jesus. As the primary shaping influence of your life. And this is one of the reasons we, we have the church. You know, this congregation is, is a gift to each, each one of us. Why? Because there are generations of men and women who are following Christ at all different stages of life. And we need to look up to people who have gone before us as examples of what it means to follow Christ. And this is why it's so important that as we become older as Christians, we don't grow old and grumpy, right? We grow old and grace-filled and kinder and more generous and and more, more trusting and more encouraging and more uplifting and more forgiving. Can you see that as we get older, it's, it's so important that we, that we keep following Jesus more deeply. Why? Because there's a whole generation that are looking up to us to shape their example of what it means to follow Jesus. And, and you know, there, are, there are kids who are looking up to teenagers. There are teenagers looking up to those in their 20s and 30s. There are young adults looking up to the next stage of adults and then, there are, and then there are us who are looking you know, to, the, to those in their 70s of what does it look like for me to be a follower of Jesus? And as all of us choose to follow Jesus and, and seek to live His way, we will be hopefully wonderful examples for those who are following us. That's the idea, right? That's the idea. But we know That as human beings, we do fail and we do have faults. And and as good as that ideal is, sometimes we look to those older than us in the faith as examples, and then we see them uh, act in an ungodly way. Or, you know, the worst case is when pastors, you know, fall morally or something like that. Then all of a sudden we start to almost lose our faith. Because we've looked at humans, other people too much. Can you see the danger? Like this, it's so important that we have wonderful examples to follow, but let's always realise that they're they're only examples of other followers of Jesus, right? And sometimes they're gonna get it right and sometimes they're gonna get it wrong. And for that reason, it's so important that we're a primary follower of Jesus Himself. Eugene Peterson writes this, To follow Jesus implies that we enter into a way of life that is given character and shape and direction by the one who calls us. To follow Jesus means picking up rhythms and ways of doing things that are often unsaid but always derived from Jesus, formed by the influence of Jesus. To follow Jesus means that we can't separate what Jesus is saying from what Jesus is doing and the way He is doing it. And for that reason, I think it's so important that we never move far away from the Gospels. You know, my suggestion is that we should always read through one of the Gospels every year. Just every year, make it a practice of just, just reading through one of the Gospels. It's, if it's December 27th, you know, just, just read it all in a day. Just, just familiarise yourself and keep familiarising yourself with the life of Jesus. And His way of doing things. Why? Because we want Him to be the primary shaping influence on our life. Because when we look at His life and He says, come follow me, I look at the way He lived His life and He's worth following. He knows the way. He knows the way to forgiveness, he knows the way to love, he knows the way to managing anger and resentment. He knows the way to trust, He knows the way to not give in to anxiety or fear. Like he, he just knows the way. into everything that you can be facing today. He knows the way. He points to the way through his own life. I mean, I could spend the next three or four hours exploring different ways of Jesus, but could I just explore with you just one way, just just one way that I've noticed um, Jesus lives, that, that is different to the way of our world. And it's in his unhurried approach to life i just called it the unhurried way of Jesus. In fact, J.B. Phillips in a book called Your God is Too Small writes, God is never in a hurry. God is just never in a hurry. And that seems so opposite to our world these days, right? Take, take cars. Who's into cars? <laughs> well, back in 1894, you might have been lining up to buy. What does it look like? What sort of car do you think this is? It's a Mercedes Benz, of course, right? Now, the model of this car, Mercedes Benz Velo. Now, any Latin scholars here, do I know what the word Velo means in Latin? Adrian, come on, mate. <laughs> close, very, very close. Speed. Right, think velocity or velodrome, right? So this is like Mercedes-Benz speed. <laughs> this is like a rocket ship, right? It's a it's a 1,000 cc single cylinder, uh, one and a half horsepower beast. Mercedes-Benz speed, um, and it's top speed when you're in. Fourth gear and it's redlining 19 kilometres an hour. (laughs) There are mobility scooters that go faster these days. So that was 1894. How far have we come in 120 odd years? Anyone know what this one is? Bugatti. Bugatti Chiron. It's uh, an 8 litre for, uh, for the Rev Heads, for blinder's sake. It's an eight, 8 litre, <laughs> 8 litre quad turbo, not a V8, but a W16. So two V8s together. Not one and a half horsepower, one and a half thousand horsepower. And it does 490 kilometres an hour. That's now the fastest production car. You see, we worship speed, don't we, in our computers, in our cars, in our washing machines, in our microwaves. If we can do it faster, it's better, right? Faster is better. That's the paradigm that we live through. That's the lens through which our society sees things. Yet, when it comes to the most important thing that Jesus says about life, which is loving God and loving others, Slow is better. See, it's not, you can't love fast. <laughs> You've got to love slow. Kosuke Koyama is a Japanese theologian. He wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God. Great title, hey? And he writes this, God walks slowly because He is love. If He is not love, He would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. You see, Jesus' way is the unhurried way of love. And when you read the Gospels and you read in between the lines, you notice this time and again. Now he's heading off somewhere and he comes across a guy called Jairus, and Jairus says, Hey, my daughter's sick. And his are probably saying, Hey, we're heading off to this village, and Jesus is like, Huh, let, let's go to your place. He's just unhurried. Why? Because see, he lived according to his priorities. And I think the pace of our life speaks about our priorities. See, and his priorities was what? Loving the Father and loving others, and so he he he, he accepts that distraction. Heads off to Jairus' house and heals his daughter. You know, another time in Mark one, he's he's uh, at a village and he's he heal, he starts doing some healings, and everyone starts turning up to get healed, and it starts becoming like another crusade. And then in the morning, all the disciples are looking for him, and. In his unhurried way, he just walks up a mountain to spend time with his father. Why? Because that was his priority. He just has this unhurried approach to his relationship with the father, the way that he's expressing love to the father and in the way that he's expressing love to others. Another time he's walking along from one village to another and he sees this guy hanging out of a tree, pretty keen to have a conversation with him and and he says hey Zacchaeus, come down let's let's go to your place what's your uh, what's your favorite meal to cook hey let's 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 sit down and have a meal together i mean that's it just doesn't happen these days right we're we're too busy we're too we're rushing from one meeting to another that we just don't see see love love sees love love notices another time jesus is is heading with his disciples to to another village and on the way they come to a well and they're all pretty hungry. And I imagine they would have all gone down to that village to eat together, right? But what does Jesus say? Oh, I'm a bit tired. Yeah, right. Why would Jesus be tired? More, more tired than the others. He says, I'm a bit tired, I'm gonna just sit here. Uh, when I read that passage of, 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 of the woman at the well, I just see that he noticed. He noticed the woman there drawing water. He just noticed and he thought, I'm just going to hang here for a while. I'm going to just see whether there might be an opportunity here to have a conversation. And if you know that story, it unfolds so beautifully where not only is the woman's life completely turned around, but she then goes to her village and the whole village comes to Christ. You know this, But see, that's, that's the unhurried way of Jesus. As you read the Gospel, you notice that, that he lives observant. When he, when he tries to come up with a story to explain what love looks like, you know the story he comes up with? This one, the Good Samaritan. And he talks about, he makes fun of the religious leaders, right? He, make, he says, you know, the, the, the priest and the Levite, right? They, they see this guy that's been beaten up and what do they do? They walk by on the other side. You see, they they had They had halls to set up, you know, get the chairs set up for the for the meeting that night they had a, they had a They had a finance meeting to get to um, that I didn 't get to this week, sorry about that um, uh, you know they had they had another an meeting to get to they um they had they had things to do right important things to do priests and levites and so 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 love love like glances and keeps going but but the Good Samaritan gazes and, and looks and sees and observes and sees that someone is in need. And then all of a sudden he puts himself out. He, he throws his agenda for the day out the window. Whoever was waiting for him that night, you know, he never, he never turned up because he ended up at some other inn with, with this guy that he's picked up in the street. And he spent money and time. And Jesus tells this story to help us understand what love looks like. And it's not at high speed, it's slow because it takes time to notice. It's just an example of just one of the ways of Jesus. When he says, I am the way, it's like the way of doing life. And as we spend more time in the Gospels, we just pick up on these little nuances of his way and how different it is to the way of those around him. How So often the disciples get frustrated with him. Everyone gets frustrated with him because he just has a, a different rhythm, a different pace, a different way, a different set of what? Priorities that he's living according to, that shapes his way. And I, I want his way to shape my life. When he says, follow me, I want to follow him because I look at the way of his life. And that's who I want to become like. That's how I want to turn out when I grow up. We're going to have communion this morning as we finish up. And communion this morning is a wonderful opportunity to remind ourselves of the foundational truth of that verse, that when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. We, we celebrate the exclusivity of what He's saying, right? Because Christ is the only one who, who has died for us and for to take off the penalty of our sin. You know, it's called substitutionary atonement. That's a big word. But what it means is that he's, he's been our substitute so that we don't have to carry the guilt of our sin into eternity. So we get given this incredible gift called eternal life that begins here and now and we'll move on to all of eternity. And in addition to that, we're also celebrating the fact that He's not only our Saviour, but He also invites us to follow Him. And there's something about His life that will shape our life so that our life has so much meaning and depth. And it's because He is the way, He is the truth, And He is the life. So let's celebrate Jesus this morning as we partake in in this bread and this cup. May these symbols remind us of the gift that He is to us for our salvation, but also the gift that He is to us as the one who we choose to follow. And maybe this week, can I encourage you, if you haven't read a Gospel for a while, just spend an hour and just read one of the Gospels. Just fall in love with Jesus once again. And just see what you notice about His way. And allow Him to speak into your life about maybe the way that He might shape and influence your life. So that it might reflect His even more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank You this morning for being here amongst us. for giving Your life for us, for resurrecting from the grave and giving us that hope that we too will one day experience the same as we place our faith in You. And we also thank You for, for being the way for us, Jesus, there are so many people in our world today that are trying to sell us a way of living. Authors, academics, politicians, social media influencers, life coaches. Jesus, help us to filter through all of that to truly seeing what it means to follow you. And Jesus, we thank you that, you that you are the way. And that as we look to you, that you will show us what that way looks like. What the way of love looks like. And I pray that this week we might slow down a little. Maybe choose to jump into the Mercedes-Benz Bello instead of the Bugatti and look at people in the eyes. Listen to people's stories until they finish. Put our agenda to the side when we see someone who needs some attention. Show us what it means to follow in your way of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au or download our app today.